Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to this brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. Hope everyone had a great weekend. We are back for a Monday edition of the show, which will include roll call a little bit later. But today, we're yeah. about the topic of the Bucks offensive coordinator coaching search, which continues after there was an announcement and a report that the Bucks will have a second interview with Dan Pitcher, the Bengals quarterbacks coach that will take place this week. So we'll talk about that and much more. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is SR of PeterReport.com. Scott, how was your weekend? How are you doing? Good, good. We've uh, we've recovered from uh, a very fast and furious week in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. It was good to see uh, a lot of the, the college prospects. Uh, I don't want to say we're behind in our draft coverage, but it's just different, right? When this Buccaneer team makes the playoffs three years in a row, I remember doing mock drafts going back <laughs> to November, some of those seasons, right? When all hope was lost and this team was destined for a top 10 draft pick. So uh, we, we kind of put off our draft coverage a little bit till, till deep into January. So we're, we're playing catch up a little bit. But I think spending that time in Mobile certainly helped us get familiar with some of these, these draft prospects. A lot of needs for this Buccaneer team, Matt. As you know, we've talked about it. We'll continue to talk about it up until and through free agency. 23 unrestricted free agents on this team. But you know what? It wasn't just the talent that the Buccaneers were in search of at the Senior Bowl. They were in search of an offensive coordinator, and they did a couple of interviews while they were there, including one virtually with Todd Munkin, the Georgia uh, offensive coordinator and former offensive coordinator in Tampa. He still remains in the mix, and uh, you know they also met with with Ronald Curry, the passing game coordinator. That was a story Peter Report broke while we were in yep. Mobile, as well as Shay Tierney from the Giants. They met with him in person, the Giants' quarterbacks coach. And you know the common denominator, Matt, and I want to get your take on this between yep. all of these these coaches that they they've interviewed is, uh, with the exception really of. Well, I don't even want to say the, uh, of Keenan McCardell, but but all of them are just heavily involved in the passing game, either a passing game coordinator, a quarterbacks coach. Todd Bowles, as much as he wants to maybe run the ball a little bit more and find some balance, all of these candidates are involved around the passing game. He understands as a defensive coordinator, Matt, this is a pass-first league. Without question. And that's what I love about some of the candidates and really just the direction that the Bucs are taking with interviewing these coaches is they are, with the exception of Todd Munkin, which a lot of Bucs fans know, given his history with the Buccaneers and Keenan McCardell uh, as well. A lot of these guys are not the household names, not the sexy pick that a lot of us were talking about. Remember, we were we were discussing Frank Reich as like a potential offensive coordinator suggestion for the Bucs. And now he's going to be the vision of the Bucs. We'll see Frank Reich, but it will be going up against him. So I really like, especially with Dan Pitcher and Shea Tierney, younger guys. I believe Tierney's 36 years old. So younger yeah. guys that, to a degree, can't be afraid because they haven't even experienced everything that there is to see in the NFL just yet, and that they've worked with different quarterbacks. I think that's what really stands out to me. The fact that Tierney got to work with Josh Allen and his first year as the assistant quarterbacks coach Tierney helps. And listen, he can't get all of the credit, but Tierney right. was in the ear of Josh Allen when he was second in the MVP running in 2020, Josh Allen had a great year in 2021 as well. And not right. that he was bad in 2022, but 
<clears throat> especially turnovers wise, Josh Allen was not even close this season to where he was the past two years before. Is that all because Brian Dayball and Shea Tierney left? No, I don't think so. But the two of them go to New York. They help out Daniel Jones. And I think it's yeah. really important to point out now, Daniel Jones this is the first time in his whole career that he played a full, well, didn't even play a full season, but they rested him for week 17. So this is the first right. time in his whole career he played 16 games. His completion percentage moved up from 64% to 67%, which I think is a really big deal. His right. yards obviously increased because he played more games. But the most important thing, Scott, the turnovers. Yes. Daniel Jones only had five interceptions this year. That was the least amount that he's had in his career. And remember yep. what I said, he played the most games in his career. So I love yeah. that aspect of that's exactly what Tampa Bay is going to need. And right. I also like the fact that these coaches, especially pitcher, which we'll get to in a minute, pitcher, his first interview, Tom Brady was still on the board. Tom right. Brady is no longer <laughs> on the board, but at least he's not scared to to back off from the, the Bucks head coaching position, knowing that we're going to go with a completely new guy. We're going to go in a completely new direction out of necessity. There is yeah. no other choice. So I love the fact that Tierney, Worked with a guy that, um, you know, he was able to limit his turnovers and got the best out of him. Pitcher, uh, really interesting stuff. I almost want to go back to 2016 and 2018 because Pitcher, he's been through two coaching regimes in Cincinnati. He was there with Marvin Lewis and then also stayed on with Zach Taylor. I think he deserves some credit for that because not every yeah. coach, and Keenan McCardell went through this as well. Not every time do you get to stick on with the coach that – hired you when he gets fired you get to stick with the next yeah. coach that's not always the case but somehow dan pitcher was able to survive that started out as the wide receivers coach he got to work with guys like aj green helped aj green get to the pro bowl um in 2018 he had been working with tyler boyd tyler boyd got over a thousand yards when aj green got injured and only played right. 10 games that season so he's able to work with some talent i think some bucks fans might say oh well he's not used to calling plays he only works with the quarterback no 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 He's worked with talented guys. So, you know, if you had a guy that worked with Pro Bowl players, now you get to go with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and we're not yeah. giving Dan Pitcher the chop by any means. I'm sure. just trying to build the case for him. I think that's super important. And then, of course, his relationship with Joe Burrow, working with a young quarterback. And if you can get a lot out of a, a young quarterback, I think you can get plenty more out of a veteran quarterback, which sounds like it's kind of going to be the route that the Bucks go. Yeah, and the other thing too, though, is as you mentioned with Josh Allen and his development and Daniel Jones with with uh, having Shea Tierney involved in, in the development of those two young passers, and then, of course, Joe Burrow with, with Dan Pitcher, Kyle Trask is still on this team, right? Yes. And he's under contract for two more years. He may not be the quarterback of – the 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they might bring in a bridge guy or they might put him in the mix to start, right? I don't think that's the right play necessarily. I haven't seen enough from Kyle Trask to, to thrust him into the mix for a starting job. At the same time, uh, I, I'm not ruling him out. And certainly this organization is not too. We've heard Todd Bowles say some very complimentary things about Trask's work ethic. I just haven't seen it yet in a game situation, right? We haven't seen it yet in the preseason throwing two touchdowns, four interceptions, and the two preseasons combined. The completion percentage rose a little bit this year. Still not where you want it. And then, of course, uh, it, in that Week 18 game, it was less than a quarter. It was worth of action, but he was 3 of 9 for 23 yards. You know, you'd like to see, you'd like to have seen more from Kyle Trask at this point in time for 
a guy that's been in the system for two years. And again, I got criticized for this on social media a little bit, but it's God's honest truth. Not my words, Ty Christensen's words. He is a deliberate learner. And that was kind of the, the book on trash coming out of Florida was that it's going to take him a little while. It took him a little while to get the system in high school. It took him a little while to get the system in college. My only concern now, Matt, is you're looking at a new system for Cal Trask, right? After he spent yeah. two years learning <laughs> one system, now that's gone. They're going to go away from the Bruce Arians playbook and and go with the new system. But the common denominator with a lot of these guys, whether it's a Clint Kubiak, whether it's uh, a Jim Bob Cooter, whether it's Shea Tierney or Dan Pitcher or Todd Munkin, who certainly had uh, his hand in helping to develop Jameis Winston to a degree in Tampa. And then, of course, uh, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland in 2019, although he was running uh, Freddie Kitchen's playbook. He was the mm-hmm. Kitchen was was the uh, head coach. And it was it was the playbook uh, that he brought with him to Cleveland. Um, and then Stetson Bennett, right, developing a former walk on into a two time national champion quarterback and a Heisman Trophy finalist. So I, I like the fact that this team certainly not giving up on Kyle Trask. He is one young quarterback in the hopper. Matt, they might add another one in the draft at some point in time this year. I don't think it's going to be in the first round. There's four quarterbacks that that are probably going to be drafted in the first round. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Seems to me, Matt, they're, they're destined for the top five. Yeah, I don't think the Buccaneers have the draft capital, the, the ammunition needed to really move up to get one of those guys. And at the same point in time, drafting a quarterback in the first round doesn't always work out. The Bucs had Jameis Winston for five years as the number one overall pick, and uh, he's struggling to latch on with the Saints. Matter of fact, he'll probably be cut because the Saints need some cap room. Uh, so I'm anticipating Winston would be in, in free agency. And then, you know, th- the thing, too, is the, the other two quarterbacks, Will Levis from Kentucky, Kentucky and Anthony Richardson from Florida, both those quarterbacks have some holes in their games. With Richardson, it's accuracy. I think he would have benefited greatly from another year at Florida, but he's still going to be a first-round pick because of the potential, which is one of the most dangerous words in the NFL when it comes to evaluating a young quarterback. And then with Levis, it's just a pension for turnovers. He's 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 got a lot of turnovers uh, in his system in Kentucky, and Jason Light drafted a, a turnover-prone quarterback in Jameis Winston. It did not work out. Jameis Winston did not take this team to the playoffs, only one winning season, and that was a 9-7 and seven year in Dirk Cutter's first year. So, Matt, if there's going to be a quarterback competition, it's it's probably going to be a veteran, as you said, uh, and and uh, you know, and, and then Trask will be somewhere in the mix, maybe for the backup job, or he might end up being the third uh, quarterback on the depth chart if there is another quarterback, and maybe it's a guy like, you know, Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, who was at the Senior Bowl but still recovering from an ACL, or maybe it's a middle round quarterback, uh, Adrian McConnell from from Purdue. We'll wait and see. But I agree with you. I like the fact that that a lot of these candidates are revolved around the passing game and they also have the track record of developing young quarterbacks too that's going to help the Buccaneers this year and it's going to help them in years to come and this isn't great news for Kyle Trask but it is such a nice fresh breath of air knowing that there's going to be completely different offense for the Bucs in the 2023 season there's going to be motion more than anything else depending on the coordinator we'll see how much motion more than anything else there will be adjustments, which yeah. is something that we didn't see at all from right. the Buccaneers last season. When other teams were, you know, zigging and then it decided to zag in the second half, the Bucs 
particularly on offense, but I think Todd Bowles should deserve a little blame on, on defense as well for not always making the, the proper adjustments. Um, that was, especially on offense, what they were lacking yeah. in a very, very sore type of way. And Bucks fans and pewter people, I would highly suggest uh, reading the Monday mailbag this week because SR laid it out perfectly when it came to Anthony Richardson, just the fact that, yeah, his mobility is fun, but it's not even up to the mobility of, say, Lamar Jackson when Lamar Jackson was at Louisville. So you're getting an athletic guy, but not even the peak top talent that you really could get. Yeah. And just the uh, the inaccuracy. There's Every year there's a couple of players that I look at and I say, really? Why is he coming out now? And everyone has their own reason why. So I don't exactly know Richardson's situation. But you look at the history, at least in the ca- the past couple of years of one-year starters going to the NFL, it doesn't really work, man. I mean, I see it yeah. right in front of my face. Zach Wilson was only a one-year starter, and that clearly did not work. Seasoning helps a lot of these players. Yeah. And I think as much experience as you can possibly get, I think is super important. I would like the idea – and. The other thing you said about, uh, you know, a project pick or uh, potential, how many times does that potential really pan out? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like you roll the dice and it should be 50, 50, hey, but it's really you know what? Like- when it works, Matt, it's, it's Joe Burrow. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Justin Herbert. It's Josh Allen, right? Those are all first round picks. They all work out, but there's a litany of other guys drafted in the first round mm. that have flamed out Paxton Lynch. Marcus Mariota, you know, his career is in a spiral. Same with with Winston. Both those quarterbacks were drafted number one and two overall in yeah. 2015. So it, it can be a crapshoot. There's no doubt about it. You don't have to get a quarterback at number one. Joe Burrow was. Patrick Mahomes was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts was not a first-round pick. Exactly, so. and he's going to the Super Bowl. So it, it, yeah. That's yeah. the thing is that there's really not a ton of rhyme or reason when it comes to really any of this. Obviously, you put in as much work and as much due yeah. diligence as, as you possibly can, and – that's why it will be fun to see. The Bucs are clearly taking their time <laughs> with making this yeah. pick for offensive coordinator, and they should because it's not just offensive coordinator they're looking at. It's right. quarterbacks coach, running back, wide receiver coach. They have a number of holes to fill, but you kind of have to start at the top and then That's right. work your way down. At the same time, the clock is ticking a little bit because you don't mm-hmm. want to fall into a situation where you got to start preparing for the draft. You're – if you were taking quarterback, you would rather take a guy that your offensive coordinator would tend to prefer versus sure one that your offensive coordinator is just not a fan of. That's kind right. of like how well, it works. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is going to come down to, and I know a lot of Buccaneer fans are kind of freaking out. And here, let's just get to this question, and I'll go into my point here. Yeah, Matt. Matt, what's your thoughts on what Richard says? Why would a potential offensive coordinator come to the Bucks over Arizona? or Denver, or the Texans. Well, I, I, I'll get my first crack out of here, and I'll get your, your take. Arizona doesn't have a, a head coach right now, right? So right. Um, so that's you know th- that, that that's one thing to, to be a little concerned about. Uh, w- with Denver, you're going to be running Sean Payton's playbook, right? And, and sometimes that can work. Uh, when you look to Todd Munk in here, he was running Dirk Cutter's playbook. Byron Leftwich was running Bruce Arians' playbook. Uh, that would be the case there. Uh, Todd Munkin was running Freddie Kitchen's playbook also in Cleveland. But when you, when he gets to Georgia, he developed his own playbook, and, and that's what he's going to run. I think the Buccaneers are going to want whoever comes in, if it's if it's Pitcher, if it's Munkin or, or Tyranny or another coach, to bring their own playbook, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is some freedom there, right? That, that I think, is, is what's appealing to a guy like Pitchers. You finally get your shot to be a play caller, 
in your own system with your own playbook. And we'll talk more about pitcher on the other side of roll call, which is coming up in about three minutes. But, but Matt, am I on to something there? Is there some appeal there as opposed to just going somewhere and running someone else's playbook? No, absolutely. Why would you want to run someone else's get up when you can, when you can run your own? I mean, the freedom to do that, I think is obviously huge. I think also Todd Bowles being a defensive coach, you know, there's a lot more offensive head coaches around the league than there are defensive coaches. So that, plays into the freedom, but then I feel like if you're like, hey, I'm working with a defensive coach and my offense is crushing it, that would, at least in my opinion, would give you a quicker route to then becoming a head coach. It's much much tougher for defensive coordinators that become head coaches now because you hire that offensive coordinator two or three years later, they're becoming a head coach and you have (laughs) to find another, another offensive coordinator where if you're an offensive guy and you're the head coach, even if your coordinator leaves, yeah. you're still running your playbook and your type of offense. Right. Uh, the other thing I would say in terms of answering Richard's question is two things. One, as it stands right now, again, NFC South, I would much rather play against that division and just have that clear path to uh, going into the postseason versus some of the other divisions that were on the screen there. And then, of course, the weapons that the Bucs still have on offense. I understand it was yeah. a down year, but let's remember Ryan Jensen is coming back at center. You right. still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, we'll see how much Kadon can develop. Yeah, Tristan <laughs> Wirfs is an anchor at offensive tackle. And Rashad White as your premier running back. That's still pretty damn good despite the struggles that they had last year. So you yeah. got a lot to work with. It's just finding the quarterback. But you're, you know, yeah. you got nine tenths of the test already set to go. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks. And we're about a minute away from roll call here, but uh, we put up a, a pewter report poll question on Twitter that we put up this morning. It's gotten a ton of action so far with 15 hours left. We're 2,682 votes counted into this. Which quarterback do you want to start for the bucks in 2023? Kyle Trask with, and I'm just reading these in order here, but uh, in terms of, of how, they were structured. The percentages, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Kyle Trask, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield. Those were the four choices. I can only use four. I was going to put Jimmy Garoppolo there, but and maybe I should have over Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield coming in last at a distant 8.5%. Kyle Trask is third at 24.4%. Aaron Rodgers, Matt, at 28.9%, that's going to be probably the toughest needle to thread if the Bucks were interested in Aaron Rodgers from a salary cap standpoint and a draft compensation standpoint for sure. And then Derek Carr was actually the leader, 38.1%. And uh, we did put up a, a story on Derek Carr yesterday, the pros and cons of that. And I'll, I'll find that and put that in the uh, uh, in the chat here just so you guys can check it out. But uh, Matt, um, it's 420 on a Monday, and it's always my favorite time of day because we're doing the Peter Report podcast and on Mondays, whether it's a victory Monday or an off-season Monday, such as the case today, that means one thing at 420. That means it's roll call. Tell us where you're at, Peter people. We have awesome fans, not just in the United States, not just in Tampa, Florida, but around the globe. So uh, we do this every Monday. We want to interact with our fans as much as possible. So if you can, start putting your location up uh, in the comments, and we will hit it and put it on the screen. Um, like I said, we got awesome fr- fans watching from all over the globe, and we want to show some love by putting your location yeah. uh, up on the screen. Matt, Scott, you want to take today's rant? 
Yes, I do. I, I, I've Go been feeling some type of way since over the weekend about All that right. man, Aaron Rodgers, right there. So uh, start start putting in the comments, Peter people, and uh, I will go into my diatribe about Aaron Rodgers. So if you've been following pewterreport.com over the past couple of days, you saw that we were at the Senior Bowl, but obviously the big news on our second day there was that Tom Brady retired. And, you know, we start looking at other options and – Aaron Rodgers is one of them. And we had a couple of stories on pewterreport.com about the salary cap implications, how that would work with Aaron Rodgers, uh, would the Bucs explore trading for Aaron Rodgers? And we get, we got a lot of feedback from that or just comments in general. And we appreciate everyone that takes time to, to read our stories and, and give your thoughts and your input. But I'm just curious with a lot of people, when it came to Aaron Rodgers, there was a lot of, no, 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 there's no way I would want him. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. He's a diva, all this type of stuff. And I'm just I'm just wondering why. I just have to question why. Let's take, and I understand the, the possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming to the Bucs is very slim given his contract situation and the salary cap situation that the Bucs are in. But let's just throw that to the side. Let's just say there is a direct possibility and the Bucs can make it work and they can make a deal with the Packers that Aaron Rodgers is able to come to Tampa Bay. There's still a number of people that don't want Aaron Rodgers on the Bucs. And again, I'm just so curious. Oh, you want to say that uh, he brings controversy and he brings, you know, bad news and things like that? All right. Aaron Rodgers, the worst thing that he's done, he doesn't have the best relationship with his family, he uh, smoked ayahuasca and, you know, he's a bit eccentric. Like the biggest news that he has is that he got engaged to his girlfriend and then they broke up before they got married. All right. And to say that he brings all this drama, like, hello, have you not been watching the Bucks for the last year and a half? Yeah. <laughs> the Bucks have brought plenty of drama. Uh, let's remember the beginning of 2022, AB pieces out on the field and he leaves yeah. Bruce Aarons has to answer a number of those questions. Tom Brady, not there at training camp for the first or not the first, but in the middle of 10 days in a row, not yeah. being at training camp, not to mention that's in between him retiring and unretiring Bruce Arians steps down right before the NFL draft. Todd Bowles becomes the head coach. Tom Brady was in cahoots to go to Miami. Um, and then of course, all the distrust with the coaching staff at the end of the year, as Scott wrote about, in SR's Fab Five a couple of weeks ago. Let's not pretend like everybody was holding hands and singing Kumbaya here at fact. the Bucks facility, all right? That's if you want to say there was drama with Aaron Rodgers, fine. But there was plenty of drama with the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay this season and last season. You want to say financially it's going gonna, it's gonna to put the Bucks back for years and they're going to be in a tough salary cap situation? They're already in a tough cap situation this year. So it doesn't yeah. make too huge of a difference if you bring in Rodgers versus going another route. Speaking of going another route, they're not going to willy-nilly run with Kyle Trask because Todd Bowles can't afford to have a losing season. So forget right. about the Bucks tanking. They are going to attempt to win the NFC South. Yeah. Will they? There's still a long ways to go before we can make our predictions on that. Um, so between the salary cap and all of that, listen, winning is the best feeling for Bucks fans. Yeah. Anyone would take the situation that the Bucs were in right now if it meant what they got in 2020. You have another opportunity if Aaron Rodgers comes to this team. You have another opportunity to feel that again. And I think Bucs fans would be willing to give up three or four years of tough financial situations if it meant that the Bucs could contend for a Super Bowl yet again. 
Another thing, I saw people saying, oh, well, you know, Brady couldn't work with this offense last year. Why Why is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to? Well, not It would to be mention, a step up from last year. A new, op- a new <laughs> offense. Sure. Yes, a new offensive coordinator for the Bucs is going to bring a better offense. So you expect more than 18 points per game. Rodgers, again, was neck and neck with Tom Brady. Rodgers won the MVP in 2020 and 2021. So you're going to give Aaron Rodgers better weapons with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, as I was, as we were talking about before. You're giving him better weapons, a new offensive coordinator, and this team has a chance to contend for the Super Bowl. Again, it's not very easy given the finances and the trades. I don't think it's going to happen. But if that possibility is up in the air and the Bucs can take it, you can't say no just because, oh, I don't really like Aaron Rodgers as the person. Come on. Give me a break. This guy has a chance to get you another Super Bowl. He can win you a Super Bowl. Derek Carr can get you into the playoffs. Yeah. Rodgers can at least take you to the Super Bowl. I, I will say this. We we saw what a change of scenery will do for an older veteran quarterback, too. Tom Brady yeah. was energized coming to Tampa uh, after kind of the malaise of that 2019 season in New England that, that ended with a, a first-round playoff loss at home to the Tennessee Titans. And maybe that's what Aaron Rodgers needs is to have a little bit of rejuvenation to his, his career by getting out of green Bay. Right. And uh, he's, he's had to kind of deal with some disrespect, right. They're, they're drafting uh, his, his successor, his heir apparent Jordan love. It didn't work out. Um, uh, they traded away Devonte Adams. Didn't do a, that great of a job replacing Well, the Christian Watson has some potential for sure. And had a, pretty good rookie season but he's no Devonte Adams so no one's confusing them exactly exactly so I'm with you Matt I, I I would not be opposed to that let me just say this too the Glaziers they've done two things number one they have tanked for Jameis Winston right we all remember the the 2014 season where where they they had a, a double digit lead over the Saints at halftime in the last game of the season yeah. and uh, Lovey Smith got the code red order and followed it and pulled out a whole bunch of starters, including uh, Levante, David, even, and in mission accomplished, they got Jameis Winston with the first overall pick. They did not want Marcus Mariota. So having said that, uh, what happened during those five years? Again, we mentioned it, no playoffs during the entire Jameis Winston tenure. And so if you look at the last time the Bucks made the playoffs, that was 2007 under John Gruden. Fast forward to 2020. With the Super Bowl season of Bruce Arians, that's uh, Raheem Morris, that's Greg Schiano, that's uh, uh, Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter. That's four different coaches, four different regimes that that didn't get the playoffs uh, accomplished for the Buccaneers. Uh, Raheem had a ten and six season; they fell just short. Dirk had a nine and seven season; they fell just short. But uh, by and large, th- that was over a decade worth of no playoffs. The Glaciers don't want to go back to that. They don't want to have to. To go to the NFL owners meeting, being the laughing stocks of the league uh, again, uh, they they want to continue being relevant, right? For just an ego and, and also a financial standpoint. The other thing too, Matt, you mentioned is spot on. Todd Bowles is on a bit of a hot seat right now. He's, yeah, you know, he made the playoffs, won the division, but at eight and nine, right? I mean, that's still a losing record. You can say division champs all you want. I can still say eight and nine. That's a losing record. So he's on a pig. Yeah. So, so he's got to win Jason light. I I don't know. And and I, I I give Jason light a ton of credit for building a super bowl winner. This is a, what have you done for me lately league? It always will be, but Matt, 
I don't know how many head coaches general managers typically get to pick right now. He came in with Lovey Smith, right? Lovey Smith actually hired him. And after a year, after two years, he ended up firing the guy who hired him at Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. So then Jason Light promoted Dirk Cutter, which seemed like a, a good idea at the time. We even thought it was a Peter report. You had Jameis Winston, a young developing quarterback who went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. You had Doug Martin coming off a 1,400-yard season. You had Mike Evans. So it seemed like that was the right call. Sometimes you have to give guys an opportunity to, to succeed, to see if they'll rise to the occasion or if they'll fail. Then you go from Dirk to Bruce Arians, right? So Jason got to pick two head coaches right there. Obviously, Bruce was a huge success. He signed off on Todd Bowles becoming the heir apparent to Bruce Arians. That's three head coaches now. I don't know that Jason Light necessarily gets to pick a fourth head coach if Todd Bowles doesn't work out. So Jason Light has to win. Todd Bowles has to win. As you said, the NFC South division is there for the taking. And the Lasers don't want to lose either. So I don't see this team just tanking for Caleb Williams or whatever quarterback is is uh, you know is going to be at the top spot next year. And I don't see Kyle Trask automatically getting thrust into the lineup as an unproven quarterback in the starting lineup just because it's not going to end well. I have one more thing I want to add to that. But first, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the newest additions to the Celsius family. We talked about that the Bucks got to make the right pick. I know if I'm making a pick for an energy drink, it's Celsius energy drink. Make sure you check out the Fantasy Vibe and the Sparkling Lemon Lime. When I was driving home from Mobile, the Lemon Lime was fueling me That's during right. that late night drive. Seven essential vitamins. Uh, make sure you go to your local bodega to go and bodega. pick it up. That is uh, Celsius energy drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Yeah, unless um, unless Jason Light, the Glazers, and Todd Bowles are all in agreement that, all right, we're just kind of going to tank this year and go for the rookie quarterback, and then we'll reassess the next season. That's the only way I see them going into this. If pretty much Light and Bowles have their job for next season guaranteed, which I don't think the Glazers are going for at all. And the other thing, we kind of talked about it, whether it's, you know, tanking for Caleb Williams or Drake May. There is no guarantees when it comes to the rookie quarterbacks. And I understand, as you mentioned, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence was a great pick. But for every Trevor Lawrence, there's a Jamarcus Russell. There's just no sure guaranteed things. And to your point, the Bucs thought they had it with Jameis Winston, and clearly they did not. So why not? I mean, you want to say no risk it, no biscuit. Why not go all, all in? With someone that you know, even if it's Derek Carr, you at least know what you're getting with this veteran quarterback versus a guy that, yeah, on the one hand, could be your next starting quarterback for the next 15 years. On the other hand, he gets you the next number one overall pick in in five seasons from now. It's obviously, ultimately, it's up to the the Glazers, Jason Light, and Todd Bowles. That's a tough thing to weigh. I'd rather go for it now because you know what you're going to get now, and things and plans change every single day all of the time. So if this is your well, direction, you just got to stick with it and go with it. The other thing too is, is if you're the Buccaneers, you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers enter the NFC South. I don't think that's necessarily in the cards. You don't want to see Derek Carr here either, right? No. You'd like to you'd like to see that some of these, these other teams have to struggle to find a, a quarterback just like Tampa Bay might have to do, but it's kind of a game of musical chairs. You look, is Desmond Ritter, is he the franchise quarterback? For the Atlanta Falcons, he had a nice win uh, against the Buccaneers in the second half when the Bucs pulled a lot of their starters. Yeah. But he was, what, a third-round pick. So the, the jury's still out there. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen in New Orleans. Andy Dalton certainly 
is not the future there. Jameis Winston will get cut due to salary cap issues. He was actually healthier at the end of the season, and they decided not to play him. Uh, then you've got you know Carolina, which is a bit of a mess. Sam Darnold is is going to have another year there, just based upon the contract. Frank Reich would get a chance to work with him. So now Sam Darnold has gone to through a couple of head coaches up in New York. Now a couple of head coaches here in Carolina. So it you know what to make of Sam Darnold? Uh, is is he going to be you know in, in the mix too? Are they are they going to? Um, I'm I'm sure Matt Corral too was was a, a rookie mm-hmm. draft pick last year. Didn't really get an opportunity due to injuries. But the whole quarterback situation in the NFC South is really unsettled. And, of course, that's the case in Tampa Bay right now with just Kyle Trask under contract. Uh, Absolutely. You can easily make the case that whoever finds the best free agent quarterback in the NFC South could end up winning the division. Like, I think the Bucs still have the most talent. But if you give the Saints Derek Carr, I think that they have a good shot at winning the division. If you give give Carolina Derek Carr, I'm not saying they're pursuing Derek Carr. Right. But Carolina's got a really damn good defense that is not to be messed with. And obviously they need weapons on offense. But you start with the quarterback. I mean, that was the case once. I mean, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, people would still say Tom Brady is the better quarterback. And I would absolutely say that too. But once Brees was gone, I mean, it was a landslide between, uh, you know, Brady and and the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFC South. That's really all it could take. All it could take is a a Derek Carr, is uh, maybe a – rejuvenated Baker Mayfield if it yeah. somehow came to that. And I wouldn't even rule out Baker either. I like the guy that has the chip on his shoulder. I know from his college days, you probably don't like him, Scott. But I like a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. I'm not saying he's going to be Joe Burrow or anything right. like that. But I, I I don't know. I just – Well, the one thing that really helped Baker Mayfield, him. obviously, was going to the Rams and having some late-season success, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it doesn't look good. Your career trajectory is definitely on the downward slope. If you go from Cleveland, where you couldn't cut it as the first overall pick, then to Carolina, where it didn't work out for you either, right? And in, in the kind of a downtrodden franchise like the Panthers, uh, at least he, he, he's got a pulse. At least his career has some signs of yeah. life. Came in, obviously, cold off the bench uh, after just landing in L.A. for a couple of days and, and winning that that uh, game on, was it uh, Thursday night game? Yep, yep. Yeah. So, you know, he won a couple games out there. The Rams certainly were depleted. There's never been a, a worse post-Super Bowl team than, than the Rams <laughs> winning winning the, the championship and then completely bottoming out the next year. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think Baker, Mix, Baker Mayfield's in the mix. I think Jacoby Brissett's in the mix. We'll have to see. But it all comes down to the offensive coordinator first, and then we're going to kind of go full circle here on this discussion. The one thing, too, that uh, – when you look at at, uh, at Dan Pitcher, and and right now he's he's the guy that that uh, I think is probably the front runner if they don't get Todd Munkin. Uh, this is what Bengals quarterbacks uh, quarterback Joe Burrow said about the, the Bengals coaching staff. I think that's pretty unique this to this place. I think that's what makes everyone love being here. There's no egos from me to our coaching staff to Zach to Brian. He's talking about Zach Taylor, the head coach. Mm-hmm and the offensive mastermind to Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, and then to pitch, meaning Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach, to our receivers. It's a collaborative effort that everyone puts in so everyone can take ownership. This was a really interesting quote because it tells me and, of course, tells the Buccaneers a couple of things. Number one, Burrow mentions not just the head coach and the offensive coordinator, but also the quarterback's coach. 
right? And you know how important Dan Pitcher is to the Bengals because they they tried to you know keep him away from coordinator jobs by giving him a contract extension and a hefty raise. Now, if he becomes an offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay or elsewhere, that raise that he's going to get as an OC is going to trump anything he's going to get as a quarterback's coach for sure. Right. Plus, as we mentioned, the ability to call your own plays and and run your the own you know your own side of the ball. But the other thing too is is Burrow makes it clear that that there's no egos on this staff, right? So so Pitcher is a team player along with Callahan and Zach Taylor, and uh, and it's a collaborative effort. That that's another thing too. We've seen so many times, uh, th- and there's a, a whole bunch of offensive coordinators, you know, dating back to you know the the, the Rams, Mike Martz, you know, who was a mad scientist but an ego driven yeah. guy, uh, Brian Billick in Baltimore. Um, John Gruden, you know, certainly to a degree where you've got these these egocentric coaches that maybe don't listen to their their staff members, their their fellow coaches uh, to get input. And it seems like Pitcher is a guy that that will solicit information from the other coaches and and not having an ego. That's an important thing, especially when you kind of come in. And if remember the Buccaneers at least right now, are keeping their offensive line coaches, Harold Goodwin, the run game coordinator, as well as uh, Joe Gilbert, the, the offensive line coach, as well as the uh, the tight end coach, John Van Dam, as well. Yeah, I think communication, obviously, is very important for the players on the field. But as we learned uh, towards the end of this season, it's super important with the coaches, too, whether it's the quarterback's coach, offensive line coach. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of inner working figures that kind of go on uh, to, to make an offense work. And that's why in 2021, when the Bucks were scoring 30 points per game, it was great. And then when the communication became more distance, that's why you saw the Bucks yeah. kind of only barely get to 18 points per game. I was curious about one thing when it came to uh, the personalities of the next offensive coordinator, maybe someone or some type of personality that the Bucks should look for. I want to talk about that in just a moment, but first let's hear a message from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Do it now. Don't wait. That's exactly right. I waited too long. I'm 50. I'll be 51 in April. But you know what? I get a lot of compliments. I don't look 50. And, and that's part of that might be genes. But the other part of it is Age Rejuvenation. The testosterone therapy there. It has awakened me. Guys, I know you've probably heard this pitch from me you know, a couple times a week on the Peter Report podcast. Don't wait. They have a free, no risk, no uh, obligation consultation you can sign up for at agerejuvenation.com. Go there, meet with them, find out what testosterone therapy can do for you. It certainly worked wonders for me. Uh, I don't get tired. I don't have the mental fog. Uh, I'm sleeping better at night. And as much as I love Celsius, I don't have to drink two a day anymore. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I do because if it's going to be a long night, if I'm working a lot, but it's not on the regular like it used to be. Five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. And right now, mention Peter Report. They're going to give you $500 off your first testosterone therapy treatment. Uh, I'm due for my second one in February, uh, later this month. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Uh, I can't say enough good things about Age Rejuvenation. Five Tampa Bay Area locations to serve you, agerejuvenation.com. And they also help with weight loss, too. So if you're looking for weight loss options to start the, the 2023 calendar year here, you can find some specials at agerejuvenation.com. Make sure you check it out. It can help out in multiple ways. Now, this crossed my mind before the show, during the show as well. And I'm all for everything you said and Joe Burrow said about communication, the coaches listening to other players and other coaches. They absolutely should. I am curious, though, given the personality of the coaching staff in general, where Todd Bowles is a little more monotone, kind of like the Dungy era of not too animated and things like right. that. And you look at the previous head coach, Bruce Arians, you know, loud, boisterous. I don't think always made it about himself, but right. you know, sometimes players take on the 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 attitude of their coach. And and obviously Bruce had a very big personality. And that's not yeah. to say that Todd Bowles can't lead a team, but Todd Bowles obviously does it in a more of a, a monotone type of way than Bruce being boisterous. So yeah. I'm curious looking at this next offensive coordinator. And we know with Byron, it was a little bit of rumbling, bumbling, stumbling in terms of his words and his direction with the coaching staff, I'm almost curious if it would help the Bucks kind of get back to that boisterous, I don't want like a look at me type of offensive coordinator, kind of like how Rex Ryan was as a defensive coordinator, but right. kind of like that, that offensive coordinator with an ego that's like, yeah, you know what? We're going to score 30 on them. And then in the fourth quarter, we're going to put the backups in. We're going to score another 10 points and drop 40 on them. Um, I'm curious if that's kind of the way that the Bucks should go with offensive coordinator, just given kind of overall the personality and the attitude that this coaching staff already has. You know, that's, that's a great observation, Matt. I didn't even really think about that, but it is important to have a blend of personalities on your staff. It really is. And, uh, you know, John Gruden was, was certainly cocky and kind of arrogant uh, as, as a head coach. Monty Kiffin was, was loud and boisterous, talked a mile a minute, didn't really have Gruden's ego, but it was a nice mix of old and young yeah. too, right? I mean, mm. and you look at, at Tony Dungy, even though he was very laid back, very stoic, very Todd Bowles-like sitting there, you know, with the arms crossed on the sidelines. I know that pisses a lot of fans off, but <laughs> but when when you're winning, it works, right? But if you look too, he had Herm Edwards as the assistant head coach. Herm was the fire starter on the coaching staff, right? Hello. And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you play to win the game. Yeah. And, and and even Rod Marinelli was a bit of a Jekyll and a Hyde. And when you when you talk to Rod uh, off the practice field, you know he just would talk like this, really, just really kind of a quiet guy, really methodical, in how he uh, talked and, and approached people. But man, he was uh, he was a fireball out there. He was he was a meteor crashing to earth out there on the practice field. And once Tony Dungy left, boy, and Gruden, you heard the f bombs. Um, you know, roll out of his mouth and, and just a very fiery, uh, defensive line coach, one of my absolute favorites. And so I do think it's important to have that kind of mix on your staff. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I would rather have a guy that's going to call the right plays first and foremost, um, performance over personality. But if you can, if you can get both, I, I think it really, it, it really kind of, uh, makes the team a little bit more dynamic, right? From from top to bottom, left to right, from offense to defense. One one last thing too, we're going to have a little bit more on Todd Bowles here, not to you know carry his water or stick up for him, but I, Matt, I talked to Tristan Wirfs about Todd Bowles's personality, right? And and Wirfs is 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 kind of a fun loving, easy kind of going, um, e- easy going kind of guy. 
that um, is an offensive guy, right? Doesn't know Todd Bowles as, as intimately as some of the defensive players do that have been playing for Bowles since 2019. He said Todd Bowles has some of the most intense Saturday night at the, the team hotel uh, pregame speeches, right? And that, that's kind of common. They usually end Saturday night with, with some motivational pep talks and all that. Um, and, and he said that, that he gets so fired up to play for Todd Bowles. And I think that's a dynamic that fans that are just watching Bowles on the sidelines on broadcast, they don't really get a chance to see. So we're going to have to maybe kind of delve into this a little bit more, get some of these players on here this offseason and kind of just flesh out more of those details because that's certainly curious to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like that. You know, the NFL covers so many different things on their shows, cameras, it, certain access, but it doesn't have access to 100% of the things. And, yeah. you know, Bailey Adams of PeterReport.com, when we were chatting over uh, last week at, at the Senior Bowl, you know, he had mentioned that a lot of Bucks fans were surprised a bit at one of the episodes of In the Current. Todd Bowles was mic'd up, and he was yeah. loud. He was like, there's a fumble. He's like, ball, 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 you know, right. and he's yelling. And I think all these people really got to see – I don't want to say a different Todd Bowles, but just more of the personality that you don't typically get to see it in a, in a press conference when he's defending his guys or answering for why they lost and stuff like that. Like Todd yeah. is very sarcastic in ways. He's got a good dry sense of humor. You know, Tom Brady was asked about, Oh, he's not that mobile. And he's like, well, he wasn't exactly that fast when he came to Tampa. So right. you know, just like little quips like that. I think yeah. Todd Bowles is, uh, is great with him. Speaking of little quips, if you want to make uh, little bets, Super Bowl is coming up this Sunday, so make sure you get those bets in over at mybookie.ag. But don't worry about just for the football season. When football's done, you're also going to have basketball and hockey, which is going on right now, uh, the UFC, baseball season when it comes back, and golf as well. The Masters is coming up right around the corner. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on your favorite pro sports and that's with their pick'em game and their rivals games. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get your first deposit doubled up to 100 by Underdog. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So one more time, double your deposit, up to $100 with Underdog Fantasy. Matt, um, I know we maybe didn't start out to have the best episode we've ever done, the best Peter Report podcast, but we, we just might have done it. For an off-season on a Roll Call Monday, I think it was exceptional. Really good stuff about uh, Dan Pitcher, and we'll see if if how the second interview goes with him. I think right now he's probably considered to be the front runner. Todd Munkin getting a second interview with the Ravens. I We'll see if, if he's going to get one with the Buccaneers. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. That's certainly a name that has been at or near the Bucs uh, top of the list since they, they fired Byron Leftwich, and we've certainly been hinting and, and uh, winking about Todd Munkin for months now, even when Byron Leftwich was still calling the plays for the Buccaneers. So the great news, Matt, is we've got three more Pewter Report podcasts to go this week, one tomorrow at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Remember, we're on our our postseason schedule here, our offseason schedule. So we have podcasts on Mondays and Tuesdays at four o'clock. And then we've got podcasts for the primetime people, maybe people on the West Coast that, that can't watch us during work. And those are at seven o'clock on Wednesdays and Thursdays. We want to invite you not to the Pewter Report Tailgate Show, to this, the Pewter Report Bucks, the best Bucks coverage. 
Follow us on pewterreport.com, the mothership, and also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Peter Report. And make sure, folks, you are liking and subscribing to the Peter Report videos. We have our Peter Report YouTube channel on uh, on YouTube is, is well over 10,000. We're on our way to 11,000. We want your help. If you have already subscribed to Peter Report TV, thank you. If you haven't, make today the day that you do that. And every time you like our videos, whether it's the clips from the Senior Bowl or press conferences or highlight videos that Matt puts up or our Peter Report podcast, it helps other Buck fans find us. And it also helps the Peter Report TV YouTube algorithm to make that happen. So appreciate all of you who have done that. And if you haven't, please subscribe to Peter Report TV. It's free. You just hit the button. All right, that's going to do it for us today. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.